This is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. I'm Glenn Wheeler. This is episode 239, the last of 2022. Thanks for your support over the past year via patreon.com slash Matters. Much appreciated. This week we're looking back and looking ahead, a mix of good and bad, like the time of year. Time of most complete darkness, followed by light. This week we're talking about land and water protection, about halibut enrollment, about the return of the powwows, and more. The good and the bad, and what's in store for the year ahead. Protecting our land and water. That was a big topic here for us this past year on Mi'kmaq Matters. This was the year that the Mammoth Marathon Gold Project was approved for central Newfoundland. And we saw a dramatic expansion in mining from the southwest corner of the island in Isla Mort all the way up to the northeast coast to uh, Gander Bay. Uh, Mining projects... uh, Exploration, mining projects moving closer to development and the approval of the Marathon Gold Project and more danger for the at-risk caribou and uh, more at risk now because of the inadequate mitigation measures and the plan for Marathon Gold approved by the Impact Assessment Agency of Canada. Later in the year, we saw Prime Minister Justin Trudeau come to Stephenville with Premier Andrew Fury and the Chancellor of Germany announcing a big wind energy project that will, among other things, pepper the port port Peninsula with windmills. 40%, nearly 50% of the peninsula to be covered by windmills, especially in the mainland area. And on the south coast, aquaculture, fish farms spreading west along the south coast from Placentia Bay all the way to Burgio and west if plans announced by the provincial government go through. So a lot has happened in the past year in terms of industrial development and the possible impact on land and water. And Adding to the misgivings were the cozy relationships that were uncovered between the politicians who make the decisions and the corporate figures who stand to make a profit. And step up Premier Andrew Fury, who spent time in Labrador at the fishing lodge owned by John Risley, the lead proponent of World Energy GH2, the developer of the Port-a-Port Windmill Project. Uh, a fishing lodge, interest, interestingly, owned by the, uh, owned formerly by MP Goody Hutchings, the liberal MP for Long Range Mountains that includes the Port-a-Port Peninsula. I thought of Stephenville and Port-a-Port when I read a new book 
called The Last Days of Joey Smallwood, a little book by the late Ed Roberts, former cabinet minister in the uh, government of Joey Smallwood and later a leader of the Liberal Party of Newfoundland. And we think of the Smallwood era as far removed from the days in which we are now. We think we're more sophisticated than we were back then when the erratic Joey led his ego by approving grandiose development projects with little thought, little approval. It was Joey flying by the seat of his pants. Develop or perish, Joey said. And of course, uh, environmental protection was uh, least on his mind. And of course, indigenous people were nowhere on his mind. Rushing ahead on poorly thought out projects that so often led to financial failure and ecological destruction. Even now, the Eno of Labrador are still trying to get justice for the flooding of their land by the Church of Falls hydro project, not to mention the disastrous and more recent Muskrat Falls. But in this book, there is a Stephenville angle, and that is in the form of the Labrador liner board mill. One of Joey's uh, fantastic projects to turn the, the green trees of Labrador into cardboard in a liner board mill to, that was built in Stephenville. The problem was that no one seems to have thought of the cost of shipping the raw material from Labrador through the ice all the way down to Stephenville. Joey's partner in this project was a crook named John C. Doyle, the developer of the doomed Lineaboard Mill and several other projects, out of which John C. Doyle got most of the benefits, not the people of Newfoundland. He was the recipient of tens of millions of dollars in taxpayer money and Joey's fixer, the guy who could do Joey's dirty political work while Joey remained once removed. The book is peopled with famous Newfoundland figures of long ago, Joey, John C. Doyle, and Art Lundrigan, who frequently made his private jet available for Joey's partisan political purposes. Now it's windmill mogul John Risley who has the jet, and Stephenville Mayor Tom Rose can tell us what it's like to fly in it, as Tom did recently from a wind energy research jaunt to Europe. Now, of course, Art Ludrigan is no longer with us, but his daughter, Goody Hutchings, MP, very much is. And while she sits in the House of Commons, her family members run a range of companies, some operating in the Bay St. George area on the same turf as John Risley, including Atlantic Minerals, Atlantic Ready Mix, companies that stand to gain from the Mammoth Bay St. George Wind Energy Project. And this, my friends, is the political and corporate machine we're up against. But in 2022, we also saw a fight back from Port-a-Port all the way to central Newfoundland from people concerned about the impact on 
land, and water. Inspiring responses from people on the ground. In central Newfoundland, Justin Hodge and the defenders of Charlie's Place have been able to get the Cornerbrook Pulp and Paper Limited to hold off on logging of the Mi'kmaq ancestral territory known as Charlie's Place. There is now a gold company on the scene, another threat to Charlie's Place, Newfound Gold, a huge mining operation slated for part of the area known as Charlie's Place. But people aren't sitting back. Justin Hodge and other descendants of the Francis and Gillingham families have come together fighting Cornerbrook, Bolton Paper, Newfound Gold, and allying themselves with uh, environmentalists, including and especially the Nature Conservancy of Canada. And one of the things being tried there is uh, trying to get what is known as a Indigenous Protected and Conserved Area, an IPCA, which is a designation under federal legislation with funding available from the federal government to uh, put a, a protection area designation on this very special area known as Charlie's Place. And on the Port of Port Peninsula, Marilyn Rowe and other members of the Environmental Transparency Committee organized only in July, so just uh, more or less six months ago, but quickly became citizen experts on wind energy, on environmental regulations, on access to information, and they have made the windmill project a provincial issue. And great work being done by people who stepped up with very little notice. In October, Mi'kmaq Matters hosted a Stephenville Summit to look at all the development happening on the island of Newfoundland at this time, more development than at any time in history. And one of the ideas that surfaced there was the need for a provincial unified response from people concerned about protecting land and water before it's too late from protection efforts by both Mi'kmaq people and other people concerned about land and water. And conversations have begun, and we'll see what transpires in the new year. Perhaps there'll be news to announce on a an alliance to help us protect our precious land and water. People power versus corporate power. other news in 2022, Newfoundland got its very own AFN regional chief. Good news for the Mi'kmaq people on the island. In some ways, Newfoundland chiefs were late to the party, recognizing that PEI, which has 1,400 Mi'kmaq people compared to, what, 30,000 on the island of Newfoundland, PEI got its very own chief more than a year ago, breaking off from an arrangement in which they shared with 
New Brunswick. But better late than never. Now the question is, who and how will they choose the regional chief for Newfoundland? Will it be a backroom deal of the sort that resulted in Paul Prosper becoming the current regional chief for Newfoundland and Nova Scotia? Paul Prosper defeated three female candidates, including Judy White of uh, Flat Bay and the current uh, chief commissioner of the Newfoundland and Labrador Human Rights Commission. Paul Prosper defeated three female candidates en route to taking his position and leading the coup against the first female national chief for the AFN, Roseanne Archibald. So, will it be a coronation of someone chosen by the four First Nations who are AFN members on the island, and they are Miobagag, Halibu, Glenwood, and Flat Bay. Will those four chiefs get together in private and just announce who it is that they've chosen without telling us who applied, on what basis the successful applicant was chosen, etc.? Will it all be done in the dark, as per usual? Or will it be something more modern, more democratic, more transparent? We'll see about that. The second issue here is that Labrador is part of the Quebec Labrador portfolio. There is a regional chief for Quebec and Labrador named Gislain Picard, who is a member of the Inu Nation. And of course, Inu, Inuit in Labrador and Mi'kmaq on the island, we all deal with the same provincial government. Now, it's true that Indians and lands reserved for the Indians, as it's said in the Constitution, are the responsibility of the federal government. And AFN is a national organization. But many of the natural resource decisions, as we have seen firsthand in the past year, are made by the provincial government. And now we have our cousins the Inu in Labrador and the Inuit with one regional chief and the island of Newfoundland having another. So that's there's something a little bit worrisome about that. Uh, currently, the all the chiefs in Newfoundland and Labrador have regular meetings with Premier Andrew Fury, but they seem to be little more than photo ops. A chance for Angie Fury to say he's consulted and to get the frequent rah-rah from Chief Mazaljo and Chief Brendan Mitchell, but nothing some seems to emerge very much from those meetings. And now we have uh, this uh, regional chief uh, split. So good news in some ways, but issues in other ways. And we'll be waiting expectedly to see who is the regional chief for Newfoundland. At Halibu, the band lost another band manager in the past year as part of the continuing staff exodus. The new band manager, when chosen, will be the fourth in the seven years that Brendan Mitchell has been chief. On a more positive note, there was some small progress in efforts to deal with Halibu's enrollment issues. 
As I speak, band members are voting on a proposal to restore band status to Armed Forces Veterans and RCMP. Results are expected on December 22nd. The number of people who get back in are thought to be in the low hundreds maximum, and nothing is happening regarding former members of the Federation of Newfoundland Indians, a much larger group that contains some of the longtime activists with whom there would be no Halibut Mi'kmaq band. Denied their status because of the supplemental agreement, which is the core issue in the Benoit case. The trial of the Benoit case is scheduled for a hearing in the Supreme Court of Newfoundland beginning on January 16th and continuing for three weeks according to the court schedule. In that case, the applicants will be arguing that the supplemental agreement was not even legal because it had to be put to members as the deal regarding veterans and RCMP is right now. In the case of the supplemental agreement, of course, there was no vote by members. Uh, members of, at that time, the FNI, pre-Halibu. So uh, the court will be asked to strike down the supplemental agreement as being uh, offside corporate governance requirements. So we'll see what happens um, with that uh, Benoit case. In 2022, we had the return of the powwow. We were back on the powwow grounds in Meobigag of Flat Bay in July and in August in Burgio for a wonderful three days in beautiful Sandbanks Park for teaching music, food, and those mussels boiled on the beach were so good. Thanks to Chief Elaine Ingram and all the people in Burgio for a great event and for your hospitality. This was also the inaugural year of the Elmastiquick powwow in Cornerbrook. Thanks to Halibu Councillor Sherry Dean for all the hard work that went into getting that event off the ground. Community bands do so much for the Mi'kmaq people on the island, and community bands continued to connect people in their communities to Mi'kmaq culture and tradition. The revived Amastiquake band on the south shore of the Bay of Islands had a great year in 2022 under the leadership of Chief Terry Green. Uh, a great, uh, a great year and great work being done in the Amastiquake band and throughout central and western Newfoundland. Looking ahead to 2023, we will have finally the North American Indigenous Games happening this time in Mi'kma'ki from July 15th to 23rd in Halifax, Dartmouth and in Millbrook, First Nation. Here at Mi'kmaq Matters, we added a new member to the Mi'kmaq Matters radio network. Welcome listeners of QCCR, Queens County Community Radio, 99.3 FM in Liverpool, Nova Scotia and reaching Acadia, First Nation. And we acknowledge the support of the School of Journalism at the University of King's College in Halifax and the wonderful talent that comes to us through the internship program. And listeners, thank you most of all for tuning in every week. Will Aliok.
Many of you will be hearing this around the time of what the Europeans call the solstice, the time of year when darkness covers us, inviting us to reflect on the moons of the last cycle and those to come. We think about the deeds done and undone during the time gone by, those done well and those that could have been done a little bit better. We reflect on words said and those that should have been left unsaid. Light follows darkness. The next full moon is January 6th, and soon after that we'll see a little bit difference in the time that darkness descends at the end of the day. For Mi'kmaq, we're now in the time known by the ancestors, some of the ancestors, as the Tomkod spawning time. Bunamu Juigus in Mi'kmaq. The Tomkod runs upstream to spawn at this time of year, and our ancestors would uh, would uh, depend on the Tomkod, different from the Atlantic uh, cod in the uh, offshore waters. But um, this uh, Tomkod, very important to our, to our ancestors at a time of year when food could be pretty scarce. So, as our ancestors did, we give thanks for the food that we have and for the heat that keeps us warm. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Emson Nogama.